0: So today we're kicking off a brand new series that I've been praying about for a long, long time, and and I've been kind of seeking God and saying, okay, God, when are we doing this one? When are we doing this one? And if you know how I work, I actually plan out my preaching calendar for the entire year. You know, people go, oh, Pastor Kevin, you're not allowing the Holy Spirit to work when you do that. Actually, when you pray for something every week for a year, I think you're giving the Holy Spirit way more time to work than showing up on Saturday going, hmm, what am I going to talk about tomorrow? Okay? I think when we do that, we're expecting the Holy Spirit to bail us out <laughs> instead of actually meeting with him for a long process. So I've been praying about this series for months now, and I'm really excited to be going through the book of Mark together. So if you have a Bible with you, I'd encourage you to open up to the book of Mark. We're going to start right in chapter one. We're going to spend this week and the weeks in June going through the book of Mark. We're going to take a little break from it in the month of July to do our At The Movies series that we do, kind of our outreach series during the summer. And then in the month of August, we're going to finish off the second half of the the Gospel of Mark. And so I'm really excited to be going through this today. So to kind of kick this off, this series off, I want to start with a question. And the question I have for you is this. What are you tempted by? What is in your life that tempts you? When you think of temptation. Right. Sometimes we think about, you know, the little things, right? I have a tendency of being tempted by any junk food that makes its way into my house. <laughs> I mean, just the other day, Danielle did groceries, and she came home with like, the, like these little mini chocolate bars. Right? It's like, ooh, what are those for? And Danielle's kind of looking at me, and you can see she's kind of debating the answer she's going to give me, because she knows they're gone. Like, they're gone. They're gone. Like, the, the fact that they're physically in the house, no, spiritually, they've already been consumed by me. I've already figured out every moment that I can sneak into this kitchen and devour them. Right? We have those little temptations in life. Right? For years and years and years, I've been a collector. I like to collect things. I collect comic books. I collect Star Wars figures and things like that. And even to this day, even though I don't buy this stuff anymore, I go to Walmart to do the groceries or I go to some store and I – Somehow end up in the toy department, and I don't know how it happens. I'm just in the toy department, and I'm looking. I don't have this one. I don't have this one. I don't have this one. These guys are marketing geniuses because who needs 37 different versions of Luke Skywalker? I do. Okay, and you fight this temptation at 20 bucks a pop. 37 different versions of Luke Skywalker at 20 bucks. Do the math. I may not be paying my mortgage this week <laughs> if I give in to that temptation. You and I deal with little temptations all the time, but what about sometimes those big temptations that come into life? You know, things like how we handle our money, how we want people to view us, dealing with reputation. What about kind of food, our health? What about gossip? What about sex? All these temptations that can just come into our lives. And every single person in this room, every single person who is watching this online, you deal with temptation. I can promise that because the reason I can promise that is because you are a human being. And every single human being deals with the topic, the issue of temptation. Now, how the world deals with temptation is one thing. But how do we who say we are followers of Jesus, those of us who say that we believe in the most beautiful name, that the name of Jesus, the name that every knee will bow to, that every tongue will confess as Lord, how do we as followers of Jesus deal with the issue of temptation? How do we overcome it? And so that's what I want us to talk about as we kick off this series in the Gospel of Mark. Now, the Gospel of Mark is a great book of the Bible to go through um, because this was written to Gentile Christians. What that means is non-Jewish Christians, most likely Greeks, most likely Romans, people who come from a non-Jewish background. And the Apostle Mark, he wrote this to them. He wrote this Gospel to them because they were dealing with... um, Not a very pleasant time in church history. They were dealing with a lot of stress. Because what had happened in Rome around 64 AD, there was this great fire that destroyed most of the city. And the people kind of rose up against that, and they blamed the emperor for causing that fire. Now, the emperor needed to shift the blame. Because, you know, it's not really good for you as a political leader when the entire city wants to, you know, murder you. And it was very easy for him to shift the blame to these new group of people who gather in the name of some guy and they eat his bread and they drink his blood. Sounds kind of creepy. Sounds kind of cult-like. And they don't want to follow any of the Roman gods. They don't want to bow down to Caesar. Very easy to blame these people called Christians. And so they turned their attention from blaming Caesar, from blaming the emperor on this, and began to persecute Christians. Very difficult time to be a follower of Jesus. Dealing with persecution, dealing with the government that's against you, dealing with people who are against you. So Mark wrote this to encourage these Christians who are dealing with a culture who doesn't like them. It's believed that the gospel of Mark is the first written gospel that Christians have. Written to non-Jewish people. So people who may not fully understand the law, may not fully understand the, the promises, the prophecies of a Messiah to come. But written to men, women, boys and girls who are dealing with a culture that's against them. To show them beyond a shadow of a doubt that Jesus is Lord. And that Jesus overcomes all other forces in the world. And you can worship him, you can follow him, and you can serve him with confidence. And so this is what excites me about getting into this series of the Gospel of Mark, is that we do live in a culture today that's not the most Christian friendly. Where there's a lot of confusion on what we believe. But one of the things that we are called to live out, is to be the hands and feet of Jesus. So I think this gospel, as we go through it, will speak to all of us. And my hope is that it will change us. (laughs) That we don't teach the Bible just for teaching's sake. We teach the Bible to let it go into our hearts and to our souls and to make us different. So as we go through the gospel of Mark, my hope is that we'll, you know, as the hands and feet of Jesus, when we see Jesus do something, we'll do it. (laughs) When we see Jesus teach something, we'll teach it. When we see Jesus loving someone, we'll love someone exactly the way he calls us to. So let's kind of dive in here to Mark chapter 1. And we see kind of Mark's gospel is a little bit different than some of the other ones. He doesn't go into the birth narrative. He doesn't kind of have like the Christmas story or anything like that. He kind of just jumps right in, talks about John the Baptist. John the Baptist is this guy. He's kind of this crazy guy wearing camel fur and eating bugs. And religious people don't like him. Religious people don't like prophets. Prophets is the guy who's out in the wilderness saying, repent, repent, repent. We don't like prophets. We don't like someone looking at our life and saying to turn from the way you're living. It's like, who are you to tell me how to live? I can do whatever I want. Right? So prophets weren't very popular. So here you got this John the Baptist guy. And people are going, well, is this guy the Messiah? Is this this promised king? And people are like, no, not the guy. And then we see the baptism. Jesus shows up to John the Baptist. John baptizes him. And then starting in verse 12 is what I want to focus on this morning. In chapter 1, verse 12, it says this. At once the Spirit sent him out into the wilderness. And he was in the wilderness 40 days. Being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals. And angels attended him. Now, if you've been going to church for a, a while now, you would have heard the story of the temptation of Jesus. It's a very popular story, and it's popular because it's in all—it's uh, in three out of the four different gospels. It's in Matthew's gospel, it's in Mark's gospel, it's in Luke's gospel. Now, Mark's gospel is the shortest version of it—two verses. He doesn't go into any of the details about it. He doesn't give any of the details of what Jesus was going through, the battle he was having with Satan. It just says this, that the Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God, led him into this temptation. And he was in a place of wilderness and a place where the wild animals lived. And just those two words, wilderness and wild animals, gives this picture of of desolation of despair it's not like he was dealing with his temptations in the temple or dealing with temptation being attacked by satan in the height of his carpentry career he wasn't being attacked by satan at during one of his great sermons it's in this wilderness the barren land being alone where there's no provision And where there are wild animals. Wild animals are also living in a barren land where there's no provision. So if you find yourself in the wilderness, the wild animals now see you as provision. (laughs) Your lunch. (laughs) When we're in the wilderness, the animals come. The attacks come. The despair comes. The loneliness comes. (laughs) And Jesus was in that place for 40 days. And all we know from these two verses is that Jesus overcame all the attacks of Satan in this moment. So how do we overcome the temptations of our lives? Because the same is true today. Right? The same spirit that leads Jesus, the same spirit that empowers Jesus, that spirit leads us and that spirit empowers us. So when we deal with the temptations of this world, the temptations of this culture, whether they're the little ones to kind of steal that chocolate or they're the big ones to be dishonest in work or dishonest in our relationships or live in a way that we know is not the way God would have us live. How do we overcome these? Well, to do that, I want to actually jump into Luke's gospel because Luke kind of gives us a lot more detail about this temptation that Jesus went through in the wilderness. So if you want to just jump there, you can jump into Luke. It's Luke chapter 4 that we're going to look at. And I want you to see in Luke chapter 4 what's really happening here. Because this is so key to understand. So let me just start here. Let me read a couple of verses here. Verses 1 and 2 of Luke chapter 4. It says this. It says, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil he ate nothing during those days and at the end of them he was hungry now this is just want to stop here for a second for 40 days he was tempted this is the way luke records the temptation of jesus now what we're going to see is we're going to see three temptations and the tendency for us is to read these temptations and go wow that what doesn't really sound so bad there's three, I can handle three, not a big deal. But here it says, he was tempted for 40 days by the devil. The temptation is relentless. It's, relentless. It's relentless, it's daily, it's constant, it's not ending. We only have the account of three, but I think what Luke is reminding us in the beginning of these verses is what we read about in Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrew chapter 2, talking about Jesus, says that Jesus was tempted in every single way that you and I are tempted. Jesus was tempted in every single way that you and I have been tempted, yet Jesus overcame. So we only see three here, and maybe these three aren't your three. But I want you to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that the big idea that we're going to look at is just as true for you as it is for me, whether these are your three or not. But this is the big idea I want us to break down today, is that we are empowered by the Spirit to overcome temptation. You and I have been empowered by the Spirit to overcome temptation. So let's look more closely here at the three different ways that Jesus faces the temptation of the devil. We'll look at how he overcame them, and then we'll look at our own lives and how you and I can overcome these temptations as well. So the first point is this. I encourage you to write these down. The first is this, is we are tempted to doubt God's care. We are tempted to doubt God's care. So let's look at the first temptation that the devil brings here in Luke chapter 4, verse 3. It says, the devil said to him, if you are the son of God, tell this stone to become bread. I mean, remember what we read up in verse 2. It says, Jesus ate nothing For 40 days. How many of you have done the spiritual discipline of fasting? How many of you, that's a part of your life? That's awesome. Praise God for you. Doesn't happen to me. When I sit there, go, maybe I should fast for this. I could skip a meal. Maybe breakfast, as long as I still have coffee, I can get through. Lunch, maybe, yeah, I can get through that. By the time it's dinner... You don't want to talk to me. Don't send me some email about your problem at that point when I, because my response is going to be, oh, who cares? You know, I'm hungry. Leave me alone. I'm, you know, just exaggerating a little bit. But there's something about food and our attachment and our need for it. We need it to live, right? And here it says Jesus ate nothing for 40 days. I can barely make three meals. And Jesus skips three meals for 40 days. He's hungry. And the devil comes and says, man, you're hungry. Take this stone, turn it to bread. And you know what? And a miracle like that isn't beyond Jesus' power to do. Like we actually see all throughout the Old Testament of God providing food for his people when they're hungry. We see the people of Israel when they're out in the wilderness and they're hungry. God provides He gives them the food, he sends them the manna, he sends them the quail, he brings them water. God wants to bring nourishment to his people who are hungry. Jesus has the power and the capability of doing this. We see in John's gospel, he takes a whole bunch of jugs of water, he turns it into wine. So the whole idea of turning stones into bread doesn't seem like a big deal. It would almost seem like that's kind of God's will. Because we know God wants to provide for his children. So the, so the, the tempter is coming and saying, "Just do God's will. God doesn't want you to be hungry. God doesn't want you to suffer. Turn it into bread." And Jesus answered him, "It is written: "Man shall not live on bread alone." See Satan's temptation here to Jesus is not about bread. <laughs> But it's about doubting God's care. It's about doubting that God wants to provide in the way God chooses to provide. Right? And I think this is something that you and I can struggle with. It's very easy for us to doubt God's care. Because ever since you and I were little kids, we were raised to take care of ourselves. <laughs> Think of, for a moment of the person who is out of work. The person who is out of work, you know, and they're praying that God will provide for them. Because being out of work is hard. When you don't know how you're going to pay the bills, when you don't know where the money is going to come from for food and these things like that, it's a very stressful time. And have you ever met the person who is out of work and they're not looking for a job, they're not updating their resume? They're not sending out feelers. They're not contacting people. They're just kind of sitting at home. binge watching Netflix. And they say, God will provide. God will provide. Isn't there a little part of us that goes, get off your butt and go apply for a job? (laughs) Right? Isn't that what we do? It's like we believe God will provide, but we know deep down there's a part you and I need to do. (laughs) If I don't apply for a job... How is some company going to contact me? Miracle of God. They just got my phone number. It flew in through the window and landed on his desk. God can do that. So we live in this tension of what do I do and what does God do? And I think because of that tension, it is way easier to depend on ourselves than to depend on God. When money's tight it's easier to depend on ourselves than depend on God. When things are going bad in our marriage, it's easier to depend on ourselves than to depend on God. When we're having a tough time at school, it's easier to depend on ourselves than to depend on God. You and I will face challenges daily, daily, where we will be tempted to doubt God's care. (laughs) For us as followers of Jesus, (laughs) have you ever had someone tell you, a non-believer, someone who doesn't believe in God, tell you, Well, your belief in God is a crutch? (laughs) You ever hear that? I get that one all the time. You're weak because you need to believe in God. And you know what my response to that is? It's like, you know what? Believing in myself and trusting myself is so much easier. So much easier than waiting for God to provide. (laughs) God's not a crutch. God is strength. God is not weakness. God is holiness. God is not, it's not like I'm leaning on him. I, it's, much, it's much more difficult for me to trust him than it is to just believe that I can take care of this myself. You and I will be tempted to doubt God's care. Jesus was tempted to doubt God's care. And how did Jesus respond to that? Jesus answered. It is written. Man shall not live on bread alone. It is written. See, Jesus, who we learn is the word of God, knows the word of God, recites the word of God, lives and breathes the word of God. And he can overcome this temptation to doubt God's care by going back to the word of God. That it is written. I don't need bread because there's a greater life out there. So that's how Jesus overcomes this. He overcomes this with the word of God, the power of the word of God in the context of the word of God. In truth, he allows us to guide him. So that's the first temptation. So you and I are tempted to doubt God's care. The second way that we see Jesus tempted here is we are tempted to abandon loyalty to God. We're tempted to abandon loyalty to God, right? The story continues here in Luke's gospel in verse 5. It says, The devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all of their authority and splendor. It has been given to me, and I can give it to anyone I want to. If you worship me, it will all be yours in our fallen world right now the devil has reign he has dominion now god is all supreme god is all sovereign but in the sinfulness of the world that we're in the devil and his agents have control and the devil tempts jesus to abandon loyalty to god and just worship me I can give you this authority right now. See, and that's an interesting temptation because Jesus knows he has come. Jesus knows that one day he will be on the throne of God. Jesus knows that one day every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that he's Lord. He's there to fulfill God's glory. So why not just do it right now? (laughs) Why not skip three years of teaching? Three years of miracles. Three years of walking from town to town to town. Three years of people hating you. Three years of people being mad at you, wanting to throw you off a cliff or throw stones at you. What about skipping the betrayal of a friend? Skipping being beaten by Roman guards. Skipping going to the cross. Skipping being completely separate from God the Father. Skipping three days in the tomb. Why not just go for the glory right now? Well, Jesus doesn't do that. Because that's not loyalty to God. That's not God's plan. That's not God's will. Jesus is tempted to abandon loyalty to God. You and I, and I think in our culture today, we live in a culture today that we will be hit constantly to abandon our loyalty to God. How we view sex. Abandon your loyalty to God's teaching on sexuality. How we view money. Abandon God's teaching on the tithes and how we should be generous. On service. Abandon that, you, that we're not here to be served but to be a servant of others. <laughs> again and again and again, you and I will be tempted by this culture To abandon our loyalty to God. In my 20 years of being a Christian, and in my 11 years of serving as a pastor, I think this temptation is the number one way I see people walk away from the faith. Because the temptation to abandon loyalty to God looks good. If if the lies of the enemy were drink drink this glass of broken glass, no one would do that. That's silly. But abandoning the ways of God for something else that looks better. Well, if I just do this, maybe I'll get more money. If I just do this, I could sleep with him. If I just did this, whatever. The lie looks better. And the more we fall into that temptation, the easier it is to abandon our loyalty to God. And I have seen so many people walk away from the faith, not because they don't love Jesus, but the temptation to abandon loyalty to God was just so much greater. So, how did Jesus overcome this temptation? Jesus answers the devil in verse 8 Jesus answered, It is written. Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Worship the Lord. Worship the Lord. Worship the Lord. Serve him only. Jesus knows that there is only one who is worthy of our worship. Jesus knows that there is only one who is worthy of our service. And that is the Lord God Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. We worship Him. We serve Him. We don't serve money. Jesus later teaches you can't have two masters. We don't serve reputation, we don't serve power. We serve the Lord. We don't and, and worship, when Jesus is talking about worship here, he's not just talking about what we do on Sunday. He's not just talking about the singing. This version of worship is the adoration, how you and I adore things in our lives. What do you and I love more than God? What do we worship more than God? I had someone once uh, with my Star Wars club that I'm a part of and, you know, if you see the pictures on Facebook, I got all my costumes that I like to wear, and I love going out and playing with kids dressed as a stormtrooper and all that. And I had someone came up to me and said, I, I believe you have an idol in your life. Went, okay, cool. Let's talk. <clears throat> Bring coffee if you want to have that conversation. That's the way you'll get in the door, but I'm always open to be spoken into in my life. <laughs> I think you have an idol in your life. Went, okay, cool. Let's talk about it. I think that's an idol. If the Lord called you to sell it, would you? Yeah. The Lord called you to give it away, would you? Yeah, it's plastic. It's like it's a piece of plastic. But we have to be mindful. And I had to think about it. Would I? Would I? Yeah, but look at all the good stuff I get to do with this plastic. Look at all the good stuff I get to do with. Oh, if I just had a 60-inch TV, look at the Bible studies I could lead at my house. That'd be awesome. What if I just had this? If I got this better car, then I could drive people around for ministry needs. If I had a bigger house, then maybe I could let a missionary come over for dinner. Right? We just have to be mindful we allow temptation to abandon our loyalty to God. Because Jesus said, worship the Lord, your God, and serve him. And then the final temptation that we see Jesus deal with is that you and I are tempted to demand from God. We are tempted to demand from God. The final temptation here in Luke's account says uh, here down in verse nine. It says, Jesus answered, It is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The devil led him to Jerusalem oh, sorry, the devil led him to Jerusalem, had him stand on the highest point in the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, Throw yourself down from here. For it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. I love, I hate saying this, but the devil's brilliant here. This is brilliant. Let's start throwing some scripture back. If Jesus is going to throw scripture at the devil, let's the devil start throwing some scripture back at Jesus. Let's have a theological throwdown on what these Bible verses mean. Let's put your arm on the table and let's arm wrestle. Boom! Got this one right. Right? So the devil throws scripture back at Jesus seeing if he could twist it, change the context of it. Now, if Jesus were to jump off a wall, jump off a cliff, before fulfilling God's plan for him, would God have saved him? That's a great theological question to ask. And I thank God we don't have to answer it. Because Jesus didn't make demands of God. Jesus knew what the Father's will was for his life. And the Father's will was not to jump off a cliff. Jumping off a cliff is basically saying to God, I'm going to do something really stupid, and I want you to bail me out. Because he knew that this is not God's plan for him. Meditation temptation is basically putting God in a position where, you better show me, God. That you're true you better show me god that you're all powerful. You better show me god that you're loving you better show me You better prove it It's us making demands of god. You and I will be tempted To make demands of god I had a buddy of mine a number of years ago who was going through a divorce And I know in marriage and in divorce, it's messy and it's complicated. And I'm the last guy to say it's black and white. I believe every case has to be looked at and prayed about and walk with people through it. But this guy, I can honestly say, was getting divorced for the dumbest reason I had ever heard. And I can't share it, but just trust me on it. It was dumb. It was pig-headedness. It was stubbornness. on both. It was the dumbest reason I'd ever seen a family break up for. And his response to it was, if God wants to save my marriage, he'll stop me. It's like, but but, but, but he gave you his word. But, but he gave you a church family. But, but he gave you us in our small group that we're all walking together. God gave you, God gave you. Nope, God wants to stop this. He'll stop me. We are tempted to make a demand of God. <laughs> We're tempted to make a demand of God. How does Jesus overcome those types of temptation when you and I are tempted to demand of God? Jesus answered, It is said, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Do not. Do not. Do not put the Lord your God to the test, right? He knows the will of the Father. He spends time with the Father. He knows the word of God. He prays with God. He meets with God. He senses God's presence in his life. When we have that kind of walk, we know what God is leading us to. But we can do something stupid, We can give in to sin and temptation and the lies of the world and expect God to bail us out. Or do we live by faith? The kind of faith that says, I'm not going to do that. That I'm going to trust God with this. That I am not going to put the Lord, my God, to the test. That's why I shared earlier when people say, I can't believe you make your preaching calendar for the whole year. You're not giving the Holy Spirit a chance to work. I'm like, sure I am. He's got all year to work on me, all year, as I pray and seek and look for where God wants to bring us as a church family. He's got a whole year to speak to me. If I were to just op- kind of open my Bible, throw it in the air, see what page it lands on on Saturday night and show up, <laughs> God bail me out because I got nothing. <laughs> God bail me out because I got nothing. <laughs> he doesn't want us to live that way, right? So Jesus overcame this last one by not putting the Lord, his God, to the test. He knows God's will. He's got a special kind of faith. So remember, the big idea is that you and I are empowered by the Spirit to overcome temptation. Whatever temptation you are dealing with, whatever temptation creeps into your life, if you are a follower of Jesus, you have the same Spirit that was in Jesus. You have the same Spirit that led Jesus. I love how... Um, This finishes here it says when the devil had finished all of his tempting He left him until an opportune time It doesn't mean the temptations go away But jesus overcame And the devil waits for the next time But then we overcome again That's just the way it plays out in our life. You and I will be tempted and when we overcome Then there's this strength That's built up there's this faith that's built up so how do you and i overcome the temptations in our lives three applications to help us overcome temptation. the first and i'm going to ask them as questions so that you can answer this question for yourself the first question is this how's your bible reading how's your bible reading i know this is kind of just that christian pat answer that we give all the time hey you're reading your bible you're reading your bible and it's one of those things that we all say as followers of Jesus. Oh yeah, yeah, I really want to read my Bible more. How many of you have said that? I'm going to read my Bible more. And how many of you have not done it when you said it? <laughs> there's there's something about it. I think the devil is perfectly designing our lives to keep us out of the word of God. I do. I do. I think our busyness, our, we're so busy, then we're so tired. I tried to implement this thing. I actually have it in my calendar that I'm going to get up at 5 a.m. every morning to read my Bible. It's still in my calendar. That was the first step. I haven't actually implemented it yet, but at least it's in my calendar. <laughs> right? It just happens. Life gets busy. We get tired. But I firmly believe you and I, we need to spend more time in the Word of God. We need, need to let it speak to us. We need to let God's spirit in the word of God minister to us. Because when the temptation comes, our response is the word of God. No, God said. No, God said. Well, You should do this in your business. No, God said. Hey, you should. No, God said. Hey, you should do this with your sexuality. No, God said. Hey, you should say this to your spouse. She won't mind. It's just a little lie. No, God said. We let those words become more and more real. So how is your Bible reading? Great way to improve this, and I say this all the time, is if you've got one of these, download the Version Bible app. Get your life group. You can actually now, there's actually a feature in the Version Bible app now that you can read it together as a group, and you can all make little comments, and you can see the little green tick box beside everybody's name who hasn't read it yet. God bless built-in accountability. I love it. I actually do this with a number of leaders. And, and when my name is the only name with no tick box on it, whoo! you know how fast I jump into my Bible? <laughs> Pretty fast. because I know someone's going to email me. Someone's going to say, Kevin, you haven't read your Bible in three days. Okay, let's read it. <laughs> okay, Great tools to help us with that. I encourage you to check those out. How's your Bible reading? Second is this. Second question to ask ourselves is this. How is your worship? How is your worship? Where do you put your adoration? Where do you put your adoration? In your career, in your hobby, your family, your children, your spouse. All good things. But we worship the Lord. We serve the Lord. We do those things first. And then all the other things are given to us. How's your adoration? It's not just about showing up to church on Sunday, but I really hope you do that. It's not just about checking us out online, but I really hope you do that. But what is your mindset during the week? Where do you give your adoration? Where do you give the parts of your life to? How's your worship? And then the final question to ask is this How's your faith? How's your faith? Right? Are you constantly finding yourself making decisions where God needs to bail you out? If you find yourself making a lot of decisions and the outcome of those decisions is bad and God is constantly having to bail you out, you mean you may need to start working on your faith. There might be a faith journey you need to go on to learn to make better decisions, to be a little bit more wise to seek out counsel from other Christians. I love it when people get advice from non-Christians and do what the non-Christian says. No, stop it. (laughs) Talk about what the the Bible-believing Christian believes. (laughs) You know, how's your faith? How's your Bible reading? How's your worship? How's your faith? Because we are empowered by the Spirit to overcome temptation. Regardless of what that temptation is in your life, you have been empowered to overcome it. You have been empowered to overcome it. And it starts with that relationship with Jesus. It starts with knowing that Jesus is the Son of God. That Jesus died for your sin. That Jesus came to make you new. That Jesus came to give you an abundant life today. And maybe you're here today or you're watching this online and you believe in God, you believe in some kind of spirituality, But but if you were to ask yourself the really tough question, saying, have I truly given my life to Jesus? If you can't answer that question firmly with a yes, I have, then maybe today's the day you need to do that. Maybe today's the day that you need to say, God, thank you for sending Jesus into the world. Thank you that Jesus died for my sin. Thank you that I can be made new. Today, God, I give you my life. Come into my heart and make me new. And when you do that, the Bible promises that you have been made new and you are brought into the family of God. And then part of our journey as the family of God is to be into the word of God, is to be worshiping God, is to be serving God, is to be growing our faith. So that we can overcome the temptation of the world. And the beauty of it, when we overcome those temptations, it's not just for our joy, but it's so that we can be a blessing to the world. (laughs) When you overcome, God uses you to bless others and help them overcome. And it continues, and it continues, and it continues. So what temptation are you dealing with? And are you willing to let the Spirit of God empower you to overcome it? That's the beautiful name that we serve. Let's pray. Father God, we praise you in this place today. We are grateful that we can lift up the name of Jesus, the name that is above every other name. It's easy in our culture today to be spiritual. It's easy to be religious But it can be a little nerve-wracking to proclaim in boldness, in confidence, and in love the name of Jesus. So Father, for this series, for every day, for every part of our lives, we want to be men, women, boys, and girls who are not ashamed of the most beautiful name. The name that has saved us from our sin. The name that has made us new. The name of Jesus. Father, each and every one of us face temptations in our lives, and by your Spirit, you have empowered us to overcome. The Spirit may lead us into these temptations, but we have the power to overcome them for your glory and our great joy. Father, I pray for everybody here and everyone who's joining us online, and I pray for the temptations that we are all facing, and that you would empower us, God, to overcome them as you work in our lives.